Hello, welcome to another episode of Politics and Pop Culture with Sierra. And Chris, today is Friday, October. What day are we on in October? October 9th. Oh my gosh, we're already in October. It's just flying by. I'm feeling good about it. How are you feeling this morning? I am feeling great. You know, I'm employed now, so it's just looking good this Friday. I love that. Any plans for the weekend? Nope. Get I quarantine. I I am thriving in this isolation. I call people. I do what I need to do. Yes, I do miss human contact, but I'm still learning stuff about myself and just making these discoveries. So this weekend, I'll probably be reading and watching Netflix and spending time with my family. I love that. I've been binge watching Sister, Sister. It's just like a nostalgic show for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I also, I'm, all these new shows are on Netflix now. So like yeah. Friends and the Parkers, are you watching any of those? I started watching Moesha. I get bored quick, especially with Netflix. I just get bored. And so I can't really binge watch, especially all these long series. So I started Moesha. I probably made it to episode eight. I started the part, I started all of them, but I'm not getting far in the journey. I hear you. Um, Moesha was a good one, but of course, I think the shows get better with time. So like when the technology looks better, they look more comfortable. So like the latter, like if you're watching season one at Moesha, I don't know how But if you get into like when she's older and like Ray J's on the show, it's like a lot. Mm-hmm. Shorter, so I'm- and then I also I have the DVD box set of Girlfriends, so I wasn't really pressed about that. <laughs> okay, I've never seen it, so I was trying to watch it a little bit yesterday, but I ended up going to sleep because I was bored. But I'm excited for the Parkers. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to half and half and one on one because you don't really see those coming on TV like you would see the Parkers or Girlfriends or any of the ones that are out now. Like half and half and one on one, they have been sleep for a while. So I'm ready to watch those ones because I feel like I don't remember those episodes as well. You know, with Sister Sister, with Moesha, with the Parkers, like I remember episodes vividly because they the rerun were coming on TV, but with one on one and half and half, I'm like, I, I can't remember as much. So I'm excited for those. I love that. And the TV nerd in me is jumping out. So the woman who created one on one, I think her name is Unetta T. Boone. Are mm-hmm. you familiar with that name? Mm-hmm. She was also the showrunner on Raven's Home, and she just recently passed away. Oh, really? Yeah, but she was she created one on one and she was showrunning Raven's Home. This that's a Raven spinoff, and she passed. Well, come on, Trailblazer, rest in power. Rest in power, because it was really good um, seeing that articulation of black male friendship on one-on-one between Flex, the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I liked that. And also, he was like a single black dad. It was just, it was different. Remember the spinoff of one-on-one, like the cuts, the barbershop? Yes. I can't remember. Do you remember the spinoff yes. where they were like in the barbershop and that was the show? That Anyways. was, because oh, that, that show came out, that was like early 2000s. We was baby. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's, you know, there's our pop culture for that. That's how I'm at. So most recently, since our last show, we recently got to check out the vice presidential debate between mm-hmm. Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris. Now, I have a whirlwind of thoughts on it. But what are your first reactions? I know we text a little bit during the debate. What did you think? I thought it was way more tolerable, way easier to watch in the presidential debate. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like each of them accomplished their set 
goals to accomplish. You know what I mean? If that's, if that's even possible for both of them to really do successfully at what they were aiming to do, you know what I mean? Um, so I felt like Kamala Harris was extremely strong. Um, I'm speaking all of that stuff. Like she was going to get her points across. She was going to come for them and she came for them and she had her memorable moments. Like if you have pre-existing conditions, they're coming for you. You know, she had her quotable moments out there and Mike Pence did not answer a single question. Probably. <laughs> he probably answered the first question and then just continued on doing what he was doing. So he successfully set his own agenda to talk about what he wanted to talk about and what he wanted to discuss. Um, he didn't follow the rules, which I feel is they're, they're, um, they're not here to follow anybody's rules. You know what I mean? Um, so those were my thoughts initially. Same here. I definitely thought the overall debate was stronger than the presidential debate. I felt like there was a respect that was exhibited that we didn't see with the first person was just like was really, really messy. It was more entertaining, of course, if you like mess. Mm -hmm. Where I feel the second one had more more respect to it. I thought that Kamala Harris did a really strong job of making sure that her points were heard. I liked the, I'm speaking, I wonder how intentional it was that she smiled every time she said that because I know that she was probably fearful a little bit of black, angry black woman stereotypes. Mm -hmm. So when she said, I'm speaking, instead of her saying it with a hard look, she often smiled. And so I felt like she was trying to go easy, but be direct out in the same way. So I felt like she was very skillful in that way. Uh, I feel like that's who she is. You know what I mean? I feel like that's who Kamala Harris is. You know, I don't think necessarily that she was trying to combat an angry Black woman trope. So she's trying to maneuver or articulate. I think just her being in politics, her being in this game, that's how she come, that's how she's coming across and that's who she is. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I think you raised a good point. I also think it's important that we understand who Mike Pence is because Mike Pence was very, he did what he's supposed to do, which is cover the president. Like he did a yep. really good job of like making sure he covered Donald Trump and was very strong and adamant about how he felt about things. He was very professional and his articulation of the issues. There was one question where he literally was, I have to backtrack and uh, come at what Kamala Harris just accused us of. Like there was definitely not a lot of policies that I felt like were really being explained and plans yeah. that were being right. explained. One thing, one big takeaway for me was how President, uh, how Vice President Joe Biden wants to cancel like $10,000 worth of student loan. I thought mm -hmm. that was really good. Like she made that sure that was very clear. Like this is how you uh, build generational wealth for the black community. This is what you do. I feel like that was a good point. I'm also interested because I feel the Democratic Party is so split. Like you have the very, very far left, radical left, AOC, Bernie Sanders, and like more mm -hmm. moderates, which I would put Kamala Harris and Joe Biden in that category. Like when people accuse Kamala Harris of being a radical left, leftist, I don't see that. Um, she made it very clear that they would not ban fracking. And so I've been doing a lot of extensive research on fracking because I wasn't exactly sure what that was. And that whole idea that something that we could be doing 
is detrimental to the environment and that she did not, when she was not willing to ban that, most people mm-hmm. on the radical left are more on the new Green Deal, the Green New Deal, being environmentalists, taking care of our climate. So for her to say, we're going to continue fracking, which is a causer of earthquakes, has the potential to pollute water. I was like, that's interesting because I feel like Republicans, like when Mike Pence was asked, do you feel like climate is, uh, do you believe in climate change? He said climate is changing. Like the whole Republican rhetoric is very much climate change isn't a real thing, where in the Democrat side of the aisle, there's a tunis of people who really feel like we should do the Green New Deal and this completely mm-hmm. revamp our economy and industries for the environment. And the people who are a little bit more moderate that aren't exactly sure who will say, we're not going to ban fracking because we don't want you to lose your jobs. Yeah. Um, is, I'm interested. What do you think about the complexity of the Democratic Party and ideologies? Because it's more diverse than I would say the Republicans. It is extremely diverse. And I think that's another thing. The media focuses on extremes, right? And so the extremes are your AOC, your Bernie Sanders, these policies. And that's really was the focus before Joe Biden was picked, officially picked. I think there was a lot of focus on this changing Democratic Party with your Democratic Socialist. Um, And so they were getting a lot of screen time, a lot of airtime. They're definitely, you know, popular. I don't want to, you know, speak for all of Gen Z and millennials, but definitely a lot, a portion of young people are drawn to them. Um, And so, and then the same with the Trump side. So then when we get a Joe Biden as the nominee, it has to kind of do a rebranding, you know? And so now media attention has to focus on this moderate demographic, on these moderate Democrats, as opposed to uh, the socialists, the democratic socialists that they were spending a lot of screen time on and a lot of air time on. Like now you kind of have to backtrack all that and be like, hey, Joe Biden actually isn't for a lot of what that is. Same how we don't want to like just put this whole blanket umbrella under Republicans, you know, that they're all on board for Trump, that all of them don't want to give us stimulus checks or so on and so forth. But then again, when the face of the party is this man, you know, everyone has to work overtime to kind of fight for their beliefs. Yeah, and I feel like the the umbrella that's bringing us all together is the anti-Trump train. Like, people are Mm -hmm. seeing that President Trump is just not what they want. So there's like, okay, we're just going to do whatever is anti-Trump. So we talked about that on the show where I feel like I wish there was more of a championing for Joe Biden, but I just don't think anyone is into what he has to say. I think people are just anti-Trump. So I think that that's just a really, really interesting way. But I think people are voting more than ever. I read recently that up to 4 million people have already voted, which is like, more record numbers than they've seen. Like, I think voter enthusiasm is high. I feel like you can't escape the topic of politics. Like, I feel like everyone's talking about it. Everyone Mm -hmm. wants to get involved. Everybody, whether it be through protests, whether it be through voting, I feel like civil engagement is really up. And that makes me feel good about the future. What about you? Yeah, definitely for sure. I remember watching, when I was watching the debate, my mom says, oh, she should, Kamala should have run for president. Like, I could see her as president. And I'm like, Hello, yes, as soon as she announced her bid, I could see it. I could just see it. Um, And so I think she really like proved herself at the debate to be like, yes, I could see her as a vice president. I could see her as the person to take over. I found that it was extremely 
interesting how Mike Pence decided to answer that. How, how open do you think the president should be about their health concerns? And have you guys talked about a backup plan? And it's just like, we saw Donald Trump struggling to breathe. You know what I mean? And then I watched on the news when George Bush was go- had like a colonoscopy or something. Dick Cheney was president for like 45 minutes. You know what I mean? And so it's just like, that's that whole dictator fascism type rhetoric where, you know, it's like you're vice president for a reason to be able to take over if something were to happen. For sure. And I was watching Ben Shapiro, who's one of my favorite YouTubers. Is he more on the, of course, he's on the conservative side because he's mm-hmm. a crowd of like the Daily Wire. But he was talking about like before we weren't really into vice presidents before. I think Dick Cheney, if you ask any average American who the last five vice presidents were, even who was the vice president to Abraham Lincoln or FDR, a lot of people have a hard time saying who it is. So um, we all remember uh, Sarah Palin, though. I think she really. She put that, uh, she put it out there. She was, you know, that woman vice presidential pick who was odd and different. And I think that got us talking. Yeah, Yeah. that really got us talking. But we haven't seen anything like what we've seen with Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. It's like a whole new conversation. What are your thoughts on the whole rhetoric behind the anti-vax type thing that Mike Pence tried to spin with Kamala. Like when they were talking about, Kamala Harris said, if Donald Trump says that the vaccine is ready, I'm not gonna take it. If public health officials and Dr. Fauci say the vaccine is ready, I will take it. Mm-hmm. Which is valid because we've known not to be able to trust Trump numerous times because of lies that he's made in the media. What were your thoughts when you heard Mike Pence kind of split it and try to, as he say, undermine the confidence in um, right. the government? what do you think of that? I thought it was extremely hypocritical, like all things are now, you know? How can you say by Kamala saying that she's not gonna take a take a vaccine if Trump says to take it, but then at the same token, you're you're you guys are planning to undermine this whole democratic process, mm-hmm. Trump and Pence are. You guys are not planning on a peaceful uh, transfer of power. So 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 you're undermining the process too, sir. So don't even try and and twist it or play it that way. Um, that's disrespecting the office as well. I agree. And I also feel that regardless of what happens, because I, in my prediction, I feel like a civil war is just by nature going to happen because I feel like Trump supporters are so passionate and so con- convicted to like support him. And I think that when he does lose, cause I don't see him winning this election because of just the behavior that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I think that when it happens that he has lost, I think it's gonna really cause like an uprising. In the same way that there's riots and looting with uh, George Floyd, I see the same type of similar behavior uh, could potentially happen when President Trump gets the results that he didn't win. Because I know his his followers is gonna be, I don't think they're gonna take the L gracefully. But, I also, but in my spirit, for whatever reason, I feel like, like Joe Biden's gonna win in almost a land. I, in my spirit, I just want it to be a landslide. I just want it to be obvious. And in my spirit, I just see it and I feel it. Like, I just want it to be an obvious, clear-cut win. You know, um, kind of like Obama and Mitt Romney, where it was like we knew who was gonna win. Like, I just want it to be a clear-cut win. But let me just say this: like, what's happening in Michigan right now? We have an FBI, like we have law enforcement. You will face consequences for your actions regardless. Like they were, they're planning to kidnap Governor Whitmore. 
a militia group and they were caught, you know what I mean? And, um, or even with this whole Tory Lane situation, he, you know, he's facing charges. So it's like, you know, if you want to break the law, like there will be consequences for that. And that's America. <laughs> it's protests, it's riots, it's looting. You know, when has it ever just been this, you know, calm, peaceful, everyone's happy, everyone's wealth. Like, that's not it. Like, that's not reality. People have emotions. People will react with their emotions. So, you know, we've been through a civil war. We've been through Jim Crow. Humans are resilient, and I feel like they're equally fragile. Um, so it's the same. And so just get ready. <laughs> Be prepared, and we'll make it through. You know what I mean? I agree. But I think with any type of change, there's always unrest. I think of any type of change, there's growing pain. So I think we have to entertain the thought that things might get a little testy initially, but I do agree that things will smooth out. But I definitely feel that we're going to be on the verge of something that could be kind of detrimental to the country uh, coming I, up soon. Yeah. And I feel like this whole, these past four years have been a response of unrest to the Obama administration. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I feel like in a way we are in an upheaval of the far right. And this is how they're coming back at and responding to the Obama era. I agree. Um, so we'll be interested to see how things are going to go. What were your thoughts on the plexiglass? What did you think of that? Did you think that that was necessary? What were your thoughts on the plexiglass? Uh, I thought it was absolutely necessary. And then Mrs. Mike Pence still got up on that stage without a mask. Mm -hmm. And it's like, where did we see this before? the presidential debate and what happened to those two? They got, co you know what I mean? So it's just like, huh it just makes i just don't know what world they want to believe it what world they're like living in but it's still very real for them you know i don't want to deny their experience but one thing there were a lot of um one thing that we might be able to learn from trump pence for for the worse or for the better but i couldn't help but think that they are practicing a manifestation in a way you know what i mean say it say lies enough times do do name association and just keep on saying it and saying it and saying it and maybe it will be true you know what i mean maybe it will be come into fruition maybe people out there will believe or cast suspicion and so in a way i couldn't help because i'm like y'all know this is that these things aren't true but and they're not really backing it up with facts they're just saying joe biden fracking fracking you know what i mean and just keep on saying it enough times you know and maybe it will have an effect so i just I couldn't help but think like, wow, they're just going to keep on saying these things, you know, just keep on saying it, saying it, saying it. And, you know, putting it out there in the universe, in the world. And so I'm just interested to see in what that karma is going to be from them spewing out this type of speech. I agree, because uh, it is definitely toxic and it's definitely deadly. I thought one of the most powerful moments of debate was when Kamala Harris talked about how Donald Trump didn't want to start a, um, he wanted to keep everybody calm. And so mm -hmm. one thing that Kamala Harris said when she was in camera was like, how calm are you when you weren't able to get toilet paper? How calm were you when you were going to go off to school, you know, when your kids come back? Like, it's those lies that are just getting old. People are tired of hearing it. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, we didn't want to cause a stir. We wanted to keep everybody calm. And it's just like, well, people went crazy anyway. You it's know over. I mean? 
And I don't even remember, the coronavirus didn't even remember getting to like public culture till like March. So I'm like, mm-hmm. January 25th. Like, what was I doing in January? There was not even a thought of like a pandemic going on in January. Like there was right. nothing that anybody was even saying about it. And it just imagine how things would have been if we would have really locked down in February and got ahead of the virus. If the president of the United States would have got up and said that we are facing a serious threat and people will lose their lives while everyone is still healthy, like before the public, you know, really started if he would have said that and said, I want to protect you guys, we would have been out in the club by now. You know what I mean? Yeah, we would have been ahead of it. There just should have been better leadership, more of a responsible response. And that just would have been such a better way. Like, even if it, it you don't have to just give people information that there's something coming that's going to kill you. Because that'll call, sir. You say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put on these masks. We're going to social distance. And we're going to do this for like a month and see where we are. And then shut down for like a month because California is still shut down. I'm still not able to go work in Hollywood because Mm -hmm. of this virus. Like California, I just can't imagine when I lie down this long. I know people are depressed. I know people are hurting. I know people are drunk. I know people are smoking. So my heart hurts. Um, To kind of switch gears here, President Trump said that he will not participate in a Zoom debate. The next debate was supposed to take place October 15th in Miami, Florida. And Trump says that if it's virtual, that he will not participate. What are your thoughts on that? Have you read anything that says that he tested, that he no longer has the virus? No, I still don't think they were at 15 days yet. I think we have to, I think by the time the 15th comes, he'll be at 14 days, but I, he could be very well highly contagious by now. I think it's fine. I think if Trump is the one saying he doesn't want to debate, we don't need another debate. You know what I mean? I he's he's the president you know what i mean joe biden is the challenger and in my opinion the challenger cannot back down you know so joe biden cannot refuse a debate in my opinion um but as the president can do whatever he wants to do he don't want to do the viral the virtual he doesn't have to do it and i don't think that will have affect him in any way. Same with this debate. I don't think it's going to change, move the needle. I don't know what's really going to move the needle in one direction or another in an overwhelming uh, way. I agree. Are Trump supporters now going to be like, oh, he's He's not. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that. I don't know. I can't speak to Because Trump them, plays but... by his own rules, which is also arguably inspiring. Like, this man is just like, it's my word of the hive. I'm like, man, I kind of like that energy. But it's also just like... If only people weren't dying, you know? Right, right. <laughs> like, this is not a game to be played with. So I don't think that there will be another debate. I think that we're done. I think the first one was a mess. I think if there was a second one, and I, isn't there supposed to be three? First one, second one, mm-hmm. third? I would say, let's just cut them all because that first one was really, really bad. And I know he's not going to do one virtually. Right. I also heard him say that if they decide to do a virtual debate, that he's going to skip it and would like to do a rally instead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which could just be more dangerous. I'm like, imagine like a rap, but I don't remember seeing like a huge outbreak of cases after his last rally in Oklahoma. Okay. Well, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Harmon Cain passed away. Yes. <laughs> like, are we just going to forget about that? Isn't that our Morehouse brother? Didn't he go to Morehouse? I have no clue. Yes. It, I always get him and Ben Carson confused. Herman Cain did go to Morehouse. I read his oh. book. And he actually came to Morehouse to speak, and it was like a ghost town. Like, no one came to support the event. Because, you know, Kyle's canvas is definitely more left-leaning. So he comes with his Republican In ideas. public. Yeah, correct. When he came with his uh, Republican ideas, I think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I remember asking him in a Q&A, like, why aren't people here to support you? Like, what is that about? And um, yeah. yeah. I also do want to bring up, 
I always wondered how this would play when Mike Pence was kind of trying to say what he did for the African-American community, what he, I wanted Kamala to say like, I am a black woman, like, you know what I mean? Like, how are you going to tell me what you have done for my, like, for my community. You know what I mean? You say that because I also very rarely see Kamala Harris wear the black card. Like, I think I heard her do an interview with HBO once, but she doesn't really pull that black card often. I think she more so pulls the prosecutor card. Oh, okay. Like, remember when she was, I would not see her and be lectured on how to enforce the law in this country. I'm someone who's a prosecutor. I always I thought she was going to be say, I will not be lectured because, you know, I'm a black woman. You know what I mean? Um, I've never really heard her really own that label publicly. I think that one niche specific HBO interview that was like a campaign tool, she was like electability. I think it depends on the crowd. Yeah, but I just, I've I've never really seen her really own it like that. It would have been a powerful moment for her to own in front of Mike Pence. Yeah, but I do think it's a powerful, I do want to bring up the whole stacking of the courts thing. Like, will you stack the courts? Mm -hmm. Will you stack the court? Will you pack the court? Will you and Joe Biden, will you guys do this? And I'm like, first of all, right? It's up to Congress, right? Congress decides to stack the court. If you as a voter have a problem with your congressperson or your senator voting to stack the court, you can reach out to them and let them know that. But other than that, it is up to them. It is up to the houses and it is up to a vote. It is not up to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris whether or not the courts get stacked. And if you go on supremecourt.gov, it says that in the definition that Congress can choose the number of justices on the court. And so to act like, you know, it's against the law or it's unjust or unright, it's just not accurate. Like they have the right to do so if they please within, um, within the rules, you know, whereas y'all are doing things, just making up some stuff, you know? But with that being said, Trump and Pence, they can appoint a justice. Whether or not it's moral or not, they can do it within the rules, you know? And you can expect repercussions for everything. There's always, karma is real. There's always gonna be a reaction to whatever decision is made. You know, you can't just have like a point of justice. Everyone's happy about it. No, and so that's where checks and balances comes in. And so checks and balances will come in if the courts shouldn't be stacked and if people don't wanna stack the courts. But when she said, y'all have appointed 50 federal judges and not one of them is black, that is a sign of systemic racism. It's definitely a sign of exclusion because you always want to be inclusive. I don't know if they're systematically saying like, we don't want black people here. So when people throw out the term systemic racism, I always have to wonder like, what is the protocol that's inhibiting black people from taking that position? So I don't know. We know there are black judges in abundance, not nearly as much as they should be, but we know they exist. We know they did put one in the RNC. So it's just like, why? You know, why is that? And then exposure is a real thing too. Like I I necessarily don't think that people are systemically racist. Like I'm not, I'm still wrestling with where I stand on that issue. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it's people. I think it's the laws, you know what I mean? And then the execution of the laws. 
I understand what you're saying. We'll just have to see what happens next where that's concerned because we definitely need a diverse court to represent the diverse country. So mm-hmm. by not having that, we're doing a disservice. In the world of pop culture, Taylor Swift recently just endorsed Joe Biden on Instagram and had Joe Biden cupcakes and said that she would be screaming at her TV rooting for Kamala Harris. Do we have any thoughts on the intersection of politics and pop culture with Taylor Swift endorsing Joe Biden? What do you think? You know... <laughs> We'll see if the girlies vote. I don't know if the Swifties will show out. You know, I don't think it ma- It matters. It matters. Everyone matters, but I don't know. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I remember I was on Instagram and like the Girlfriends cast, like Tracy Ellis Ross and all of them posted a picture of their endorsement for, uh, for John Kerry for the 2004 election. And so, I mean, like, celebrities endorsing candidates, been happening, cast endorsing candidates, been happening. I don't think, once again, government's different. Government is your pockets. Government is food on your table. Government is healthcare. Like, government isn't necessary. It can be the music you listen to, but I don't know. I'd be interested to see where, because anyone can say anything publicly on Instagram, which I think was, which is what. She endorsed a candidate before, right? The candidate loss. Remember in Tennessee when she had that, they talked about it in her documentary, which I thought was pretty good. But um, just because you endorse someone doesn't mean that they're going to win. It really doesn't, it doesn't move the needle. Like we also about really moving the needle. So I liked what Ariana Grande did for her sweetener tour when she had voter registration at her concert. I think that is the way that celebrities can use their powers by getting people registered. But I think by telling people who to vote and just saying, oh, I'm Beyonce, we're voting for Hillary Clinton, or oh, I'm Hillary Clinton, or I'm Taylor, so we're going to vote for Joe Biden. I don't know how I feel about that. I think just get people thinking, but never tell people how to think. Like, I'm yeah. not somebody who's ever going to wear like a Biden t-shirt or have a Trump sign in my yard. My thing is I just want people to think and come to their own conclusion based in principle, based in facts, and something they can go to sleep at night knowing like, hey, well, I thought this through and here's how I feel, but I'm not with group think. I'm not with yeah. just because like, we have to be intentional and informed on what we do in our actions. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And especially like in terms of this show, like these are our opinions, right? These are what are the conclusions that we are drawing from our life experiences for what we want to create for the future. So in no way are we like speaking for everybody, you know what I mean? Just really just highlighting some things for people to ponder on. Um, But I don't think, you know, people should necessarily like get offended or like now hate Taylor Swift or I don't think it should necessarily work like that just keep on listening to ideas keep on disagreeing with them like that's okay like you are you no one's trying to make you anybody else and I'm we're not certainly trying to offend anybody out there you know I don't think that's that's where we're getting lost in the wilderness I feel so definitely keep on developing this brain muscle. And I think celebrities should encourage their fans to think. I agree. Absolutely, because we're at a place where we're so polarized, which is why I'm always against cancel culture because we're at a place now where we can't even have a conversation. And I love that we do this and we're able to just have a dialogue. We're just saying like, here's what's going on. Here's how we feel about it. Because when we start muting people and canceling them and counting them out, that's dangerous as well. Because if Mm -hmm. we can't have conversations, we can't think and we can't grow. And that's how you get cults and group think and slaves when people aren't able to think for themselves. So mm-hmm. that's so, so, so important. Like I always make sure I'm reading a variety of different news outlets. Like I would never just sit down and read 
um, Vox, because Vox mm-hmm. is very, very, very left-leaning. So if mm-hmm. I want some of that, I also have to make sure I'm reading The Daily Wire. I have to make sure I'm listening to AP. I have to make sure I'm watching a little bit of Fox News. That way, when I have my opinion, it's based in wrestling with both ideas and saying, where do I really think about this? What do I really think about fracking? What do I really think about the environment? What do I really think about Medicare for all? And be able to have an informed opinion on it and be principled. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we have to push for is critical thinking and being principled. And where I always come at, um, at a standstill really is when it comes in terms of welfare and universal health care, how can I possibly know or foresee what is going to be the best course of action for all people? You know what I mean? Like that is just one tricky slope to try and say that this one course is going to be so great for everyone. And that's where I'm just like, welfare may be a great option for somebody who is really struggling. Universal healthcare is an amazing option for someone who can't afford healthcare. You know, how can I just take that from somebody, you know? And so that's kind of where I am battling. But then, you know, of course we have like facts and statistics about welfare and et cetera, et cetera. And realizing that not everything works for everybody. And then how are we, how are we re-coming up with ways? It's kind of what I'm thinking about right now. I agree. I think that's some good thinking to just have. And a lot of people aren't even thinking in that way, choice and autonomy and freedom and, and that's what I think is the biggest fear of socialism is when people start giving away too much of our power. For example, like I was doing some extensive research on the Green New Deal this morning, and we have to. I have to read that. Oh my! They say it's only like a fourteen-page document. Like the first mm-hmm. part is the issue, then the second part is the proposal. Okay. And so I was just reading it, and I was just thinking, like, if we really want to do this in ten years. That means every car, every home, all of our—it's zero emissions of fossil fuels, zero. So that means no charcoal grills. That means no. All cars would have to be completely electric like Tesla. And when I look at that, I'm just wondering, like, who would be affected by that the most? Like, of course, the wealthy, rich people like Elon Musk, they would convert, right, to electric energy and renewable energy resources and be good. But I think about those people who can't afford a new car, a 2010 car or above, who may have that 07, 06, 05 that may run on unleaded gas. And so when we start giving our power to enforce these rules, it's just like, oh, that's just a dangerous place for us to be in. So I have been questioning myself on that same way, too, about freedom and autonomy and choices. And was trying to juxtapose that with like the Green New Deal and what I think about that in theory, not just in practice, being practical, but like in theory and in practicality, you know? Yeah, and then like how how does practicality and imagination, how are those things, how can those things merge? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how can those things play? We have not seen a Green New Deal, you know what I mean? Or any semblance of it. We have not, you know, really put into practice some of the democratic, so universal healthcare. We have not, we have not experienced it. We as Americans in this American democracy, you know what I mean? And so it is kind of an imaginary thing. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't existed yet. And, you know, people want to create it not to be like, it's going to be American. You know, we're not trying to be like Venezuela. It's going to be unique because we are unique. Mm -hmm. Um, But then again, still living with, you know, practicality and the facts. And how can we not? Exactly. But how can we not be stuck? You know, how can we not be stuck? in that it's interesting it's just so interesting like 
like what is the American government? Is it these endless possibilities or is it this 1776 structure, you know? Good question. Something definitely to explore. This is good. I, yeah, because this morning I was like, this Green New Deal, like, I kind of get like, of course, I want to make sure that that earth is safe. But when I started thinking about like the Green New Deal, what that would look like when they say zero emissions of like fossil fuels, I'm like, whoa, like we would have to do like all new commercial buildings, all new homes, like everything would have to be aligned on solar panels. Yeah. Whoa. And, and so, yeah, you know, it is enforcing these rules. And that's what I wish Mike Pence would have expanded on a little bit is, um, just go a bit deeper into freedom, into what you mean by you and Trump are defending people's freedom. Just take it, just define it a little bit more for me, you know, because I look at Green New Deal. And if you look at these inner cities, if you look at Flint, if you look at um, people who are in the projects and the air quality and the gas and the lead and all of that and how that is affecting their health and their lifespans, is that a trade-off? Right. That's a good question. And then with all this doomsday rhetoric of like, we don't get together in like seven or 12 years, the earth is over society. Get that clock down. Like, why? Anything that clouds judgment, that's very pathetic and very emotional driven. We have a lot to do, so. How, because it's like, are, how many people do you know who saw that clock and were like, oh, I need to start recycling. Oh, I need to change the way how I live because they saw that clock. No, people are scared now. They're not, I don't know if that if anyone has been sprung to action. People have reposted it and, you know, I don't know. I agree. Well, this was a really good conversation. I had a good time. We did it. We did it. Like, comment, subscribe, share, tell a friend. Uh-huh. We are doing new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And one of my friends texted me like, hey, I'm binge watching your show. Like, I'm catching up. Like, we're growing this thing. So we're going to continue to give you all new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I think Monday will be a very special show because we're going to have weekend plans that I'm excited to share about on Monday. So we're doing <laughs> this. And uh, Siri, do you have any positive note to leave with the people as we go into the weekend? Um. Oh, my God. I just had it. I just had it. Stay safe. <laughs> that's a good one stay safe wash your hands wear your mask be smart do the american thing of just taking care of your family love thy neighbor Mm -hmm. what what did you just say i said uh, remember to uh, spread love like love each other you know yes 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 oh yes thank you guys so much for watching another episode of politics and pop culture with sierra and chris have a fantastic weekend Bye. bye